This message is brought to you by The Covenant Nation. Morning all and welcome to service once again. This is the teaching section of the service and we'll be continuing our study in uh, the love of God which is agape, the God kind of love, the most powerful, if you can say it that way, force that is on this earth and the practice of this particular principle guarantees that you overcome, all right, in every single situation. Now, this morning I want to change on God's love towards us, not even our own demonstration of that love, but our reception of that love. All right, let's go into a confession and then we'll kick it off. One confession this morning. One to go. As I see it, so listen to the word of God today. A door of utterance has been opened up unto me. And I hear the voice of God clearly speaking to me. This is the way to go, walk ye in it. I listen under the influence of the Spirit of God, and I'm not distracted by anything or anyone. Uh, the Word of God is full to my spirit. I am strengthened by it this morning. It is wine to my heart, creating joy within me. It is oil to my face, causing my life to shine, giving me victory in everything that I do. As my eyes make contact with the scriptures used in this message, the Spirit of God opens new things to me. He also brings to my remembrance things Jesus once showed me. I come to understand God's system on the earth. I receive instruction, encouragement, correction, and the enablement to live out God's will. Amen. All right, like we said, we are in a study on God's love, and we want to look at the love that God has towards us. Now, in Romans chapter 8, from verse 33, Romans chapter 8, verse 33, it says, Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifies. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is reason again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. So we can see a demonstration of the love of Jesus after he finished his work there to wage war for us successfully as our advocate against the accuser of the brethren, who is bringing statements of judgment and condemnation, is that he is making intercession for us. And that's why we said last week, it is your business as a Christian. Anytime you find another Christian in trouble, what that Christian needs is an intercessor. Someone who is going to enter into the prayer of faith, not trying to justify the person or absolve that person of wrongdoing because you might not know the details, 
but to present the blood of Jesus as the ransom that has been paid in full for the survival and the deliverance and the victory of that person in that situation. So you make intercession for the person. So Jesus ever lives to make intercession. So verse 35. He now goes on and says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Who shall separate us from the love that Christ has for us? Shall tribulation, and don't ever allow that, distress, persecution, famine, or nakedness, or peril, or the sword? As it is written, for thy sake, we are killed all day long, and many account as us as sheep for slaughter. But they don't understand somebody is making intercession for us who is Christ. And for that intercession to work, we don't allow anyone to separate us or anything from the love of Jesus Christ. Nothing. In other words, nothing can make me Stop believing no matter the situation you throw at me. Nothing can make me stop believing that Jesus loves me. Uh, you know, I was saying this midweek service that, you know, rap is poetry. All right. So I'm on solid grounds when Paul said that, even your poets have said these things and quoted one of the poets in the book of Acts that in him we live, we move, and have our being. All right? Uh, so rap has to do with rhythm and poetry. And so uh, there was a rap artist once I heard say this. I think it's a very powerful statement. He said, you know, people describe in a certain way, which is his physical appearance. He said, you can describe me as being this and ugly. He said, but you cannot convince me that the Lord doesn't love me. In other words, call me any name, throw, me anything, throw anything at me. You cannot change my mind about the fact that I know that the Lord loves me. He said, the reason is why my, when my own CDs drop, they sell the best. And then he went on and said, you say I am lucky, but actually I am blessed. In other words, nothing separates you. The judgment of people, the condemnation of people doesn't change the fact that, and it's ingrained in your spirit, that we are dealing with the unchangeable love of God. You are dealing with an unconditional love. That while you are yet a sinner, without any trace or thought of obedience to God, Christ died for you, and God commended his love towards you. So nothing is going to change this truth that has been embedded on the inside of me. God loves me, and the love of God alone will put me over. Jesus said tonight, all of you will leave me alone. But then he declared, I am never alone. The Father is with me. And you've got to know that. Never doubt the love that the Father has towards you. Am I going to say this? Your faith in that love 
your faith in the love that the Father has for you is what gives you victory in every single situation. So he goes on there and says in verse 37, it goes on, it says, Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Not through us that loved him, but through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, or things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Nothing can separate me from that love. The only person that can separate me from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus is I, my own self. If I choose to separate myself from that love, then I lose out. But nobody on the outside can separate me Neither nothing will be able to separate me from the love of God that I have in Christ Jesus. And that's how I become, it says there is more than a conqueror. So if we say Habakkuk chapter 3 and verse 17, it's talking about though, all right, uh, um, the fig tree shall not blossom. Yea, the fruit in the vine, there shall be no fruit in the vine. The labor of the olive shall fail. The fields yield no meat. The flock shall be cut off from the fold. And there shall be no herd in the salt. He said, yet I know that God loves me. And God will put you in positions and spaces where he wants you to judge and understand the consistency and the unchangeable nature of his love towards you. So you don't judge his attitude towards you by things going on on the outside. You judge his attitude towards you by who he is and who he has said to you in the word that he is. And when you reach that place there, which means I will rejoice in that salvation. I will rejoice in his love that he has for me. I will give thanks, all right, for that love that he has. When you get to that place, you begin and you have found out the secret, which means he has shown me the path of life. In his presence, there is fullness of joy. You get to that point, you begin to experience victory. Now, the point I'm getting to today is that in 1 John chapter 4 and verse 19, it tells us that we love him because he first loved us. And that, you know, uh, um, that love, excuse me, <coughs> that love <coughs> that we show to others, he said, if I have loved you this way, ought you also not to love other people. Now, it's very important, here is the point, that we experience the love of God. Very important because we can't show that love and obey the commandment of agape if we do not experience that love in a personal way. Now, I want to show two things this morning. What that love feels like, what it does when you experience it. And number two, the condition that must be in place in your life 
for you to experience the love of God. But we can love because he first loved us. I know in Romans chapter 2, verse 3 and verse 4, uh, I've said this from a portion of works in the past, but God showed me during the week, all right, um, something different. Revelation, sorry. Revelations 2, 3 and 4, where he says we should go back. Thou hast born and hast patience, and for my name's sake you have labored and have not fainted. Verse 4, he says, Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Now, what's that first love? 1 John 4, 19 says, We love him because he first loved us. So he is talking about an experience of God's love being poured into our hearts. Uh, now, without that, even when we do works, we won't do those works in love. Uh, we will do them out of a sense of duty, so to speak, but not from a place of compassion. In other words, a preacher will preach because he is supposed to do that on a Sunday morning, a pastor, and he will share. But except that person, the pastor, is experiencing the love of God in their lives, they won't share from a place of love for the people. If an usher is not experiencing the love of God, then they usher with a sense of duty and not extending compassion to the person. A person who lays hands on the sick won't be because of compassion that they have for the sick, but a sense of duty that if any man is sick, let them call for the elders of the church. That this is what elders do, not necessary that is coming from a place of compassion. And in Luke chapter 7 and verse 47, I believe, Luke chapter 7 and verse 47, it talks about the woman, Luke seven forty-seven. It says that in the Passion Translation, it says she has been forgiven all of her many sins. This is why she has shown me such extravagant love. But those who assume they have very little to be forgiven will love me very little. I put the King James up. It says that, it was talking about a woman that did certain things. All right. Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins which are many are forgiven. For she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. Now if you go back to verse 45, Jesus was talking about, he went into a person's house. All right. And thou givest me from verse 44. He was talking about, he turned to the woman and said, turned to the woman and said, Simon, seest thou this woman? I entered into thy house, and thou gave me no water for my feet, but she had washed my feet with her tears, and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss, but this woman, since the time I came in, hath not ceased to kiss my feet. And the reason is that, all right, now put it back up, it says, my head with oil, thou did not anoint, but this woman has anointed my feet with ointment. 
Now, the reason why she did that is because she had experienced the love of Jesus Christ. And because she had experienced that, she was full of that love. And that love was overflowing. So it was not in her inherent goodness, but in the inherent experience that she had had. In other words, a person who has had, all right, the experience of love and compassion goes out into the world as a compassionate and loving person. A child who is loved at home goes out there full of love with a sense of self-esteem there, a strong sense of identity within their family, and they are not going out to try to get things from their friends. They are going out to give things in terms of from their, um, the abundance that they have in their emotional life. So here's what he's saying. I want you to go out. I want rivers of living water to flow out of your belly. And the reason is because you have first of all drank of that water on the inside of you. And we have got to be recipients of that love. You see, sometimes we've made us put ourselves in a position where it is difficult for us to accept love. All right? We, 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 we struggle to receive the love of God. This is the truth. Because we are not used to just having unmerited favor. We are not used to people just pouring out things upon us. It's almost like, is there a catch to this? Uh, do you have some motive there? Are you doing this for a hidden reason? Uh, the reason is that humanity has been so built that we earn everything. And when it comes to the love of God, we believe we have got to earn that love. Which means we have to do certain things to earn the love of God. And God's love cannot be earned. And until that love is received there, then it is not going to be experienced. And when it is not experienced, then we will not have something within to show and to demonstrate unto other people. And the truth is, what he's saying here is, this love is best experienced in those hard and dry places. He's saying in Romans chapter 8, you will experience this love in this, all right, trying and testy places where uh, others may count of you as a sheep for slaughter. Uh, they think that you are not going to come out of this and you won't survive it. Uh, that things are not going to remain the same in your life. They pass words of condemnation logically. They make judgmental statements out of their own minds by what they can perceive. But they don't count on that unconditional love. And you must understand that this love cannot be end. This love has to be received. And the commandment of God is this. Freely you have received. Freely give. The man who was forgiven of all that he owed. And his family was let go. Didn't earn it. 
It was the compassion that the Lord had for the servant. The servants did nothing to end that. It was compassion that caused the Lord to do that. Inherent in his own nature. And we have got to come to understand the basis of our acceptance in God. It is not based on our performance but based on his nature and who he is. The image of God has to be brought, which means it's only people that have received this unmerited favor that will be whole and complete, that will have the emotional energy there and the bandwidth there to be able to put up, right, with, with issues from people, will be able to walk in forgiveness because of what has been poured on the inside of them. Let me just read something some old evangelical writers said. One of the most powerful things I've ever read in my life. And they said, sad to say, most believers actually reason from the opposite from themselves to God. He says here, until the soul comes to that point that he, God doesn't give it peace, he could not, it will be healing the wound slightly. The soul has to go on until it finds there's nothing to rest on but the abstract goodness of God. When all is going well and God seems to be blessing, then there's a feeling that God loves me and God accepts me. But when they are stumbling and everything seems dry and hard, then they feel that God does not love nor accept them. How can these things be? There is nothing, they said, about us to commend us to God. Our acceptance being in Christ, plus the fact that most of our true spiritual development comes through dry and hard times. Thank God, he has accepted us in his son. Upon this fact, we must rest our faith. William Newell presents some penetrating thoughts regarding this grace. There being no cause in the creature why grace should be shown, the creature must be brought off from trying to give God cause of, from trying to give cause to God for his care. He has been accepted in Christ, who is his standing. He is not on probation. As to his life in the past, it doesn't exist before God. He died at the cross. Christ is now his life. God knew all human exigencies beforehand. His action was independent of them, not dependent on them. So believe to be loved or, and to consent to be loved while unworthy, feeling unworthy, is the great secret. To expect to be blessed, though realizing more and more of your lack of worth. To hope to be better, hence acceptable, is to fail to see yourself in Christ only. To be disappointed in yourself is to have believed in yourself. 
to be discouraged is unbelief as to God's purpose and plan of blessing you. To be proud is to be blind, for we have no standing in God of ourselves. Then he makes a profound statement. The lack of divine blessing therefore comes from unbelief and not failure of devotion. To preach devotion first and blessing second is to reverse God's order and preach law, not grace. The law made man's blessing dependent on devotion. Grace confers undeserved, unconditional blessing. And then our devotion to God springs out of that love that he has shown towards us. Peter, after he experienced the love of Jesus in catching abundance, and he experienced it, devotion came naturally. Gee, he left everything that he had caught and followed Jesus because he had experienced who Jesus was and realized that his life was more secure with Christ than him administering himself. In other words, anybody who experiences the love of Jesus will be drawn to Jesus, will be devoted to Jesus. Just like the woman, she came out of sin. That's what Simon was saying, that she was a prostitute. But because she experienced the love and the forgiveness of God, she came and showed absolute devotion to Jesus. She didn't take that love for granted and continue in sin. That's not the love of God. When you experience it, you are drawn to the person that shows you that love. So the key to experiencing this love is knowing the unchangeable nature of his love. In other words, his love is not dependent on, all right, on, all right, what is going on around me. He is love himself. And at the point where God was to open up, which means when people get in some measure of difficulty on the outside, this is where the flood tides of his love wants to come. And he wants us to experience this love. That's where many get discouraged. And they don't know they are the gates of experiencing what this love is. Romans chapter 5, 1 to 5. All right, let's see what this love really is. If we put the message translation, please. Let's go. It says, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. All right, by entering through faith into what God always wanted to do for us, set us right with him and make us fit for him, we have all together with God, all right, we have it all together with God because of our master Jesus. And that's not all. We throw open the doors to God and discover at the same moment that he has already thrown open his doors to us. We find ourselves standing where we always hoped we might stand, out in the wide open spaces of his grace and glory. Standing tall and shouting our praise. But it turns to this. Next verse. It says, there's more to come. We continue to shout our praise. Even when we are hemmed in with troubles. Because we know how troubles can develop passionate patience in us. And how patience, in, all right, in turn forges tempered steel of virtue or character. Keeping us alert for whatever God wants to do next. Now here is the definition of love. 
where he says in King James in verse 5, or I put King James, the love of Jesus is shed abroad. Put it in King James. Hope maketh us not ashamed because the love of Jesus is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost given unto us. Now, put it up in message transition verse 5. All right, what does it mean by that love being shared abroad? In alert expectancy such as this, we are never left feeling short-changed. Quite the contrary. We can't round up enough containers to hold everything God generously pours into our lives through the Holy Spirit. In other words, when you experience the love of God, let me repeat the statement. When you experience the love of God, what happens in your life exceeds in abundant measure what you asked in prayer and what you imagine. In other words, as it says in verse 5, you don't have the containers there to hold what the Holy Spirit generously pours into your life. On every account where the love of God has been demonstrated on this earth, the people experience beyond what they could ask or think. He wants to bring us into this, where we are constantly, that's the abundant life. I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. In other words, we exceed, I exceed in abundant measure everything you have asked or thought. Things begin to happen where you, God surpasses. You keep experiencing that love. It will change your attitude. It will change the way you serve. You will be satisfied. You'll be making huge, all right, quantum leaps in your life. Making satisfactory progress. Filled with joy. You will extend it to people. You will see people that are sorrowful and you will hold their hands. And tell them about a Jesus that turns situations around. That does beyond. Everybody that did it. See, when he went to multiply loaves, he did it beyond. What anybody could imagine. He always does it with an abundance. When Peter told all night and Jesus came, he didn't come through. They didn't have containers there. Nothing to hold what he brought forth. This is the experience of the love of God. This is what he wants us to be experiencing in life. Can you imagine you experiencing that consistently in your life? Can you imagine daily, morning by morning, his mercies are being renewed? And you're experiencing that? What type of person you will be? What, your sense of self-esteem, your sense all right, of self-worth? How you will talk to other people? How compassionate you are going to be? How loving you are going to be? All right, How you will stretch forth your hands to help people because of so much that is coming into your own life? I, do you know how you're going to be the, your psychology? All right, let's, let's see an experience here, all right, in 2 Chronicles 20 and verse 25, right? This is how experience of God's love. In, in King James, it says, And when Jehoshaphat and his people came to take away the spoil of them, it was in a testy situation. Peter experienced it in a testy situation. Told all night and caught nothing. Jehoshaphat was in this situation. He says, They came to take away the spoil of them. They found among them in abundance both riches, with dead bodies and precious jewels, which they stripped off for themselves, more, more, more than they could carry away. And they were there 
there were three days in gathering of the spoil, for it was so much. The love of God, when you experience it, God does exceeding abundantly above all you can ask or think. When you are looking for a job and you experience the love of God in getting a job, it wasn't the job you thought you will get. It wasn't even just the job that you prayed to get. God went beyond, all right, your imagination and he went beyond your prayers. And by the time the job is presented there, you will ask yourself like Peter said. He said, I am not worthy to have all this coming to me. What have I done on this earth to deserve this kind of experience? It is something that can break or will break you down. And will build so much compassion in you towards other people. So it's what it's called in Ephesians 3 and verse 20 in King James. That God will do exceeding abundantly above all you can ask or think. According to his power that is at work on the inside. How do you experience this love one way? All right, God's love is founded on gratitude. The throne of grace we come to is a throne of gratitude. God's experiencing God's love is founded on gratitude. It's what Habakkuk did. You don't judge, all right, God's attitude towards you. Based on what is going on presently in your life. But you base it on who he is. And in spite of what is going on, you acknowledge who he is. And how much he loves you. And you will see that you come out more than a conqueror in that situation. So we see that God calls for that. He calls for what Habakkuk did. That though the vine and though this, yet I want you not just to sing unto me as a step of faith. You get what I'm saying, yeah? As one of the keys. But you are sing to me as a person of love. As a merciful God. As a merciful God. And a person of love. Look at it here. All right. In Isaiah 49 verse 13 to verse 19. Uh, quickly say, Sing, O heavens. Be joyful, O earth. Break forth into singing, O mountains. For the Lord has comforted his people and will have mercy upon his afflicted. So they were afflicted at that point. Said, sing, sing, praise. But Zion said, the Lord has forsaken me. Now, you are the only one who can separate yourself from that love by saying that. Those situations cannot separate you. You are the one that can do it by saying it. And Zion said, and Zion separated themselves from the love of God by saying, the Lord has forsaken me and my God has forgotten me. But God says, listen, can a woman forget a sucking child that should have compassion on them? Yeah, they may forget, but I will not forget them. 
I've engraven you upon the palms of your hands, my world continuously, your walls are continuously before me. Now, it says this is what will have happened, which means if you started singing and acknowledging this love, thy children will have made haste, which means everything will have started coming to you. And the destroyers that made the waste will have gone away from you. Put it up, please. All right, verse, verse 18. It says, lift up your eyes and behold, all these gather. They, they are just one step away. Acknowledge his love for you instead of you defining him by what's going on on the outside. All these gather themselves and come unto thee as I live, saith the Lord. Thou shalt surely clothe thee with them all as an ornament and bind them on thee as a, as a bride doeth. Now just see what he's going to do beyond what you asked or thought. For thy waste places and the desolate places and the land of destruction shall be even too narrow by reason of the inhabitants. And they that swallow thee up shall be far away from thee. And thy children which thou shalt have after you've lost the other shall say, This place is too straight or too narrow. Give place for me that I may dwell. And thou shalt say in your heart, which means this will be the experience. Who hath begotten me these? Saying I've lost my children and I'm desolate and captive, removing to and fro. Who hath brought up all these when I was? When, when did it stop? After with scripture. I've got to know when it stopped. So I go to the scripture. All right. Let's look at Isaiah 49, verse, verse 13 to verse 19. Isaiah 49, verse 13 to verse 19. It says, Sing, O heavens, and be joyful, O earth. Break forth into singing, O mountains. For the Lord has comforted his people, and he will have mercy on his afflicted. So, there's some affliction going. But Zion said, The Lord has forsaken me. My Lord has forgotten. Now, God cannot forsake. It says, Nothing shall separate you. You are the only one who can separate Verse 14, please. You are the only one who can separate yourself from the love of God. Now, Zion here said, the Lord, which means this is an act of separation. The Lord has forsaken me. The Lord has forgotten me. In other words, I, you are separating yourself from that love by making statements like this. Now, verse 15. It then says, can a woman forget a sucking child that she should not have compassion on the son of her womb? Yet they may forget, yet I will not forget thee. Behold, I have engraven thee upon the palms of my hand. Your walls are continuously before me. Thy children, he now says, the result starts coming, shall make haste. When you begin to sing and to acknowledge that love, and the distress that made thee wish shall go forth of thee. He says, lift up your eyes round about. Behold, all these gather themselves and they come to thee. As I live, say the Lord, thou shalt surely clothe thee with them all as an ornament and bind thee on them as a bride doeth. For thy waste places and desolate places and land of destruction shall be too narrow, too confined by reason of the inhabitants 
And they that swallow thee up shall be far away from thee. Which means where you are becomes too small. This is the experience of God's love. Always bursting forth. Always beyond anything, any container that you have. It says thy children there, which thou shall have after you have lost the order, shall say this place is too straight. Give place for me that I may dwell. And then you will say in your heart, who hath begotten me all these? Seeing I've lost my children, and I was desolate, a captive. Who hath brought this up? Behold, I was left alone. Where did all of these come from? Now, same thing with Jonah chapter 2 and verse 7. How to experience this love. Don't judge God's presence by what's going on. When my soul fainted, I remembered the Lord. My prayer came in unto thee into thy holy temple. They that observe lying vanities forsake, that separate themselves from their own mercy or experience of love. That is the secret. They that observe lying vanities on the outside are the ones. God doesn't separate himself from your, his love from you. No man can separate. The tribulation cannot separate. You are the one that decides to yield to what is going on on the outside and define God's presence with that rather than defining him by his unchangeable love. He says, they that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy, but I, instead of doing that, will sacrifice unto them with the voice of thanksgiving. I will keep that which I have vowed, salvation belongs to the Lord, and the Lord spoke unto the fish. All right. So in closing here, how then, uh, what is the care we can say it us acknowledging and putting our faith in that love? Uh, and doing this every day, singing about, not just singing, so that, you know, God is powerful. No, singing about his love. Acknowledging his love. Okay? I mean, if somebody comes to sing to you because they want to get something, you will know. But if somebody comes and acknowledges your traits, your character, who you really are, touches the core of your being, that's what we're talking about. And the core of his being is that he's compassionate, he's loving, he's good, and his compassions endure. That's his loving kindness, his loving nature endures forever. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17 to verse 20, and I'll close with this, how to get to this, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, make your house all right, his home, that you being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, length, depth, height, to know the love of Christ, which passes all knowledge, that you may be filled with the fullness of God. To know that love that passes all knowledge that you may be filled with the fullness of God. Now, when that happens, now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above what you can ask or think by that power that is at work in us. Now, I just want to close by saying this. Well, now, what's the temple of God now? Your body. All right? So, in the Old Testament, the temple used to be a geographical place and a sanctuary. Now, you are the temple of God. 
So read this this way. Second Chronicles chapter 5, verse 13 and 14. Read about you this way, you being the temple of God. All right? Second Chronicles 5. It came to pass that as the trumpeter singers was one, to make one sound to be heard in praising and in thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice with the trumpet, cymbals, instruments of music and praise, saying, now this is what they said, for he is good and his mercy or compassion, loving kindness, goodness, endureth forever. That then, as they sang that song, saying that, that then, the house was filled with a cloud. Now, what's the house? You are the house of God. That you might be filled with the fullness of God. How does that happen? That then, that then, the house was filled with a cloud, even the house of God. So, as we come to know, that's experience that love that passes knowledge, as we sing about that love and kindness, this house of us gets filled with the fullness of God. At that point, he is able to do exceeding abundantly above what you can ask or think. In 2 Chronicles chapter 20, 20, 25, that's what they experienced. Jehoshaphat, what did he sing? What did he experience? 2 Chronicles 20, all right, 20, 25. Jehoshaphat and his people came to take away the spoil, of, sorry, from verse 20. That's what I meant, from 20 to 25. And they rose in the morning and went, all right, and all ye inhabitants, believe the Lord your God, so shall you be established. Believe his prophet, so shall you prosper. And when they had consulted, they appointed singers. See what they sang? That they should praise the beauty of his holiness. And as they went out before the Lord to say, praise the Lord. The Bible says, follow peace with all men and holiness. This is it, praising that holiness of God. It says, praise the Lord for his what? Mercy. For his mercy endureth forever. Because of time, the effect of it was verse 25. The Bible says that they had more than they could carry away. So there is a test. And it's the test that you return to your first love. And that you go back to your first love. That, listen, no matter what's going around in the environment, that you come to know. Why are people not experiencing this love? Because they are not sure. They feel they have to earn it. It's only when you have experienced it you can demonstrate it. It's only when you have experienced it you can show it to people. No service is acceptable in the sight of God that is not coming for compassion for people. The only way you can really have compassion for people is that you've experienced that compassion yourself. So settle down and go back to your first love, which was Father. And acknowledge how much he loves you and the fact that he is good and his mercies endureth forever. And begin to worship him for his goodness and for his mercy in that situation and for his love. And let the, the house of the Lord be filled with the fullness of God. And then we will see him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above. And when you experience that, you go out into the world and show people and tell people and demonstrate it to others. Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus Christ for your word. 
I ask by the power of the Spirit for every single person under the sound of my voice that whichever situation they are in, I prophesy over your life that in that particular situation you have experienced the love of God in Christ Jesus and therefore what you have experienced as you go into a place of worship acknowledging his goodness in that situation the overflowing grace of God comes into your life. And I speak into that situation. You are coming out of it not as a survivor, not one who endured and was restored to a fraction of what you lost, but you will experience and you have experienced the abundant life in Christ Jesus. That overwhelming grace that will cause you to break down in tears at the love of God. That which you longed for happened suddenly with so much force as a rushing mighty wind bringing blessings into your life beyond what you can imagine. Hear this. You will not earn it. It is a gift given to you by the Father of light. Open your heart and receive it this moment. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. God bless you all. Amen. All right, um, for the intercessors, you receive messages this week and um, we commence prayers towards a pastor's conference coming up next week. Please, on Friday, we're going to have a global communion services online. All right, we'll start at 9 a.m. That's good Friday, 9 a.m. online. All right, and uh, we'll just have the service. And it will be an online service. You can just watch online in your house, have all your breaking of bread material there, and we'll have a communion service in your home. Gather your family members together so you can offer prayers together and acknowledge the finished work of Jesus in that house. Remember, the sacrifice was in the house. That's the lamb was slain in the house. So you to do well to do it in your homes. God bless you and have a wonderful week in his presence.